Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, May 28th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Good morning. Now this side is, I'm going to start leaning over to this side, it's sort of weighted this way, we're about double than we've got on this side but uh, I was just um, thinking about this particular song and uh, um, I I was asking Kristen I can't remember if it was sung at our at our wedding when we sang songs together but it was certainly 30 years ago that we sang that song that I first time ever heard it was in Australia and so that brings back some memories there if you would go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 we're going to be in verse 31 but also I'm going to read um, chapter 6 of Joshua. So if you would, turn there, or have, be turning there as well. So I'm going to read those verses and read that chapter, or most of that chapter, and then I will pray, and then we will get started today. So Hebrews 11.31 By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So we find her in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith as the writer is highlighting her faith. And so that's really what the sermon, sermon today is about. And so to help us, we're not gonna, certainly not going to preach through this, but I, just so that we can hear the story, I'm going to read Joshua 6. To just bring us back there. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. <clears throat> and when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. The people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant. And let the seven priests bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city. And the armed men passed on before the ark of the Lord. And then I'm going to just move forward through the, through the chapter there. And then we're going to end up back at Joshua 2. And so we know how the story will go. On the seventh day, they will then march around the city seven times. And everything was devoted to destruction. Look over at verse 21 of chapter 6. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. Then in verse 22, 
But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all belonged to her. And they brought out her relatives and they put them outside the camp of Israel. Now, if you would, turn back to Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses there as we go back in time before they came to Rahab. Joshua, this chapter 2, verse 1. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go and view the land, especially Jericho. And they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all of the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I, I did not know where they were from, and when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. So she, she lied to the king there. She, says, I did, she told him, I do not know where the men went, but pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in, <coughs> laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as, as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, this is very important for our story, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. And this, by the way, was 38 or 40 years, excuse me, before this time. So we heard these things. And you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, <clears throat> to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. The Lord your God, He is God, in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, and you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And we know the rest of the story. She lets them down by a rope, they go away, they go back to Joshua and the armies of Israel there, and then they come, and we just read chapter 6. And so, hopefully, that will help us when we come to some parts of the sermon this morning. So with that in mind, though, I'd like for us to pray together and ask the Lord to help us as we, as we begin this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that we read here in Joshua 2 and, Hebrew, and excuse me, in Joshua 6. And 
Father, what a beautiful picture we have. All of us are, especially here we are today in China Grove, and we all, um, as far as I know, are, are like the Gentiles and are Gentiles in that regard that, Father, the Word of God came to us, and we are no different. And so we, we come before you this morning by faith, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that, um, that He would increase, that we would decrease. Father, as I always pray, in spite of me, I pray that you would work through the power of the preaching and teaching of your word. So, Father, we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I have four truths. I had lots. I had to cut it quite a bit. But I have four truths from this story of Rahab about faith that I hope will be helpful to us. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you, and then we'll just jump right in. Here, here are these four truths. First truth, God saves the greatest of sinners. Two, we see with Rahab God's plan to save the nations, the Gentiles. Three, faith is not alone. And we'll see that faith includes repentance and good works. And finally, four, we see the sovereign grace of God in election. So let's begin. Number one, Rahab's faith displays the truth that God saves the greatest of sinners. I think one of the things that catches people with this story of Rahab, and as I read through this, and as you've heard this story before, I'm sure, you think maybe, wow, if, if God can save Rahab, uh, God can save me. And we say that because of she was a prostitute. And, and this is certainly true, but not in the, the way that most people and the way the world thinks about how we stand before God and how we think about sin. God does not compare the depths of one person's sin to another when he saves. He doesn't say, you know, John, you know, that, that pastor over there, Grace, he's a good, upstanding person of the community. And you know what? I don't have to go very far. I, I, I think I can save him. Or uh, just use a, a, a a name that nobody probably is in here today, Isabel. She's a, she's a prostitute. And I might have some grace for her, but she's probably too much of a sinner for me to save. And I think that's the way, the, in general, the, the world thinks. Because when you talk to people about, are you a Christian? Are you a person of faith? Or when you start talking about religion, then they start saying, you know, talking about their good works. And, you know, I think my good works will outweigh my bad works. And God will accept me. When we, when we speak to our Muslim friends, that's surely what they say. I, I, I do good works. I pray, I fast, I do these things I'm supposed to do. I think God will accept me. The Bible says that God does not look at salvation and sin in this way. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have the same nature as our father, Adam. All of us, according to the Scriptures, are, are dead in our trespasses and sins, as, as Ephesians 2 says. God is no respecter of persons, to where He has favorites in this regard, to where He saves some and not others based upon our goodness. He just simply saves sinners. 
those who have fallen short of his glory. And God delights to save sinners. And those who come to him by faith and repentance, he will not cast us out. So if we come understanding the gospel in faith and repentance, God will save. And this is really, as we look back upon Rahab, this is what we see with Rahab. Her experience is no different than any of ours in this regard or any other saved person in the history of the world. All who are saved are still saved by God's mercy and God's grace. So when the world thinks of someone who might not go to heaven, I think the world would say Rahab is not going to make it, okay? But in our story, she wasn't merely a prostitute. She probably, she ran some sort of, some sort of an inn there, maybe. We're not for sure, but... There was a, it was a place that the, that the spies could come and stay. It wasn't just going to someone's home, just popping in there. I mean, I'm assuming, maybe I'm assuming too much. Maybe it was some type of brothel. We don't know. But, <clears throat> but the spies came there, and she was not, um, at least in her past, I'm going to argue that when they came, I think she was repentant, but at least in her past, okay, the city would have known who this lady was as a prostitute. And there she was. And according to Deuteronomy 20, verse 17, God had devoted that people. They, were the, they weren't just Canaanites. She was an Amorite who lived there in Jericho. That was their city. They were the Amorites, okay? And God had devoted that city to destruction because they, they deserved it just as any other people, but they deserved it, and their time had finally come for judgment. And Rahab had not grown up hearing the Word of God, as I did, and as many of you, many of us, probably the great majority of us did in this church, grown up hearing the Word of God. She did not. She was not taught at that time the law of Moses, she had only seen a lifetime of sin and rebellion against God. According to Ephesians 2, verse 12, Paul says, Don't forget, Gentiles, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. She was alienated. A stranger to the covenants of promise. She was a stranger to the covenants of promise. She, <clears throat> having no hope and without God in the world, there she was. And sure destruction was just days away from her there at Jericho. And then as we look forward, though, more than 3,000 years later, we find Rahab. Did you know that she is in the genealogy? She is one of the mothers, comes down, the line of Christ, comes right down through. And I'll repeat that again in a, in a little bit later. But God saves this woman, this great Sinner, And so, by way of application this morning, faith is no respecter of persons. When it comes to salvation, we are all in the same boat. We're all in the same regard. As a, as a people, we are also Gentiles. But God in His mercy and in His grace, He did not leave John Sherrill. And if you are a person of faith today, if you have believed on the Lord Jesus, if you have received Him, God did not leave you in your sin. The gospel of Christ came to our fathers, 
<laughs> if you think about it, in Europe, even before most of our folks came here to the United States. I'm reading a book now on Roger Williams and, and what his founding of, 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 was I think, Rhode Island, and just all of the Puritans that came our way. The gospel came and the word came. And the word of God came <laughs> even to the natives in this country as well. At that time, we, don't, we, we assume, presume not before, but today the Word of God is accessible to all of us as we are hearing it preached today, and it is accessible to those in China Grove, and I would say even those in the United States, anyone who desires, and that, that's not the case in every part of the world. Concerning our past lives, think about your life. If you are a Christian, I don't presume that everyone here is a Christian, but if you are a Christian, Think of the words of, of Paul to the Corinthians. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So here Paul just lists all these sins. And he just lists a few because he could have put a lot more there. But then he says to the Corinthians, and I, these are words for us, such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so when you look back upon your life, I, I can't say that, that I would categorize my sins in the same way I would categorize Rahab's, but I've learned not to do that anymore. God saved a great sinner when he saved me. And I look back at my life, particularly in the ways that I was rebelling in my teenage years and even at Appalachian, and I see God reaching down, just like he did with Rahab. And so think back to your own lives and think, you know, what it was like, especially for those of you who are older. I know for, a lot, for our church this size and as much time as we've been together, our kids, they've become Christians and they have undergone a lot of that. But one day, I think all of us, if you can get to be 50 or 60 or 70, by the grace of God, we will all say with Paul, I am the chief of sinners because the... The more I go on, the more I see that. But that's the first truth we see with Rahab. God saves the greatest of sinners. Number two, Rahab's faith displays the plan of God, God to save the Gentiles. So when we read the Old Testament, very rarely do we see some big evangelistic program of God sending Israel out to the nations to reach the Gentiles. What would you think of first if you were to say, when in the Old Testament do you see a big evangelistic plan to go get a nation? Jonah. We would, we, the first thing that comes to mind, because he was supposed to go there and preach to this great city of Nineveh. We don't see that in, in other places. When I think of individuals who've come to the Lord in the Old Testament, Moses' father-in-law, remember him? Some type of priest there, even in, in pagan there when Moses went out into the desert. I think of Ruth, who follows Naomi back to Israel. There's debate on Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, as God deals with him and all of the ways that he is humbled. We don't know. 
But I think of individuals like this, but that's about all we see, really. We, but we don't see how God has worked. We're just not told that God works in all nations. But we aren't told. And these instances in the, in the Old Testament are very rare. But in all of these cases that I just mentioned, and with Rahab, we see, particularly with Rahab, a type or a picture of something to come and a pledge that God will fulfill His promises to save the Gentiles. God calls Gentiles, non-Jews, into the church. And the gospel will spread to the ends of the earth. The Old Testament is full of prophecies that speak. I mean, just full of prophecies, if, so, if, if we just read them. But full of prophecies that speak of faith concerning the Gentiles and how they are to come one day. And when did, when did they really begin to come? It came in the New Covenant, Christ, Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit coming. Now the gospel is being preached in the nations. I think of Isaiah 54. And by the way, this is the, <clears throat> this is the verse that, that compelled William Carey to go to India. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent, God tells Israel. Enlarge your tent. It's not just your tent. It's, it needs to be enlarged. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold them back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right, to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations <clears throat> and will people the desolate cities. Ephesians 3, Paul speaks of a mystery. He says this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Romans 11, if you've read Romans 11 lately, very Interesting, 9, 10, and 11, very interesting about God going to the Gentiles. Paul speaks of a wild tree, a wild olive tree, that this wild olive tree will be grafted into a cultivated olive tree. This is a picture of the Gentiles coming into Israel, coming by faith. But even before the great influx of Gentiles which began with the New Covenant, the pouring out of the Spirit at Pentecost particularly, we see, if we read the story of Rahab, we see Rahab and her family, Gentiles, Amorites that were devoted to destruction, idolatrous sinners coming to Israel by faith. And this will continue, by the way, until the Lord Jesus returns. And our instructions are clear. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so with Rahab, we see a very clear picture and a pledge that God will fulfill his promise to take the, the gospel to the nations because she was not a Jewish woman. That's number two. Truth number three. Rahab's faith displays the truth that faith is not alone. In other words, we know what faith looks like. There's a, if we looked at our lives... We can 
tell, you, a tree will be known by its fruit. We know what faith looks like. Works, good works, follow faith. Saving faith is alive and well with good works. We're going to we'll see that as we talk through this. So, works always follow faith. Now, again, I'll come back to that in a, minute, in a minute. But first, I want to speak of another truth. When I say that faith, <coughs> Rahab's faith displays the truth that faith is not alone, I am speaking of repentance. Repentance. So, faith and repentance are just... Two sides of the same coin. True repentance is always joined with faith. And true faith is always joined with repentance. And out of all, if we think about Rahab, out of all the people of Jericho, who I argue, I think God gave them a chance to repent. I think, but we know that only Rahab does for sure. And she brings her family along. And they are saved as well, so we must assume that they come along as well. But we're only speaking about Rahab. Now, it's interesting. When I read one of my commentaries this week, A.W. Pink, he believes that Rahab had already repented before the spies arrived. And so I tend to agree with him. So I believe that she was already, something was going on in her heart before the spies arrived. And, and <clears throat> so let me explain why I agree with that. We go back to the Song of Moses. Do you remember the Song of Moses? Why would Moses sing a song? Well, the Red Sea, when the, <clears throat> when the sea is parted, Israelites go through. Sea comes back in on the armies of Pharaoh. Then Moses, to put it lightly, he sung a song, okay? Because he was so excited and there was great prophecy. I'm just going to read just a little bit of Moses' song. Exodus 15, 14. Here's what he says. The people have heard, excuse me, the peoples have heard. In other words, peoples in the world here around us have heard what you did. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. This prophecy, and it continues, I only read a little bit of it. This prophecy is clear that Moab and Philistia and the Amorites, all of the city, the, the folks of Canaan will hear and they will know and they will be afraid of the greatness of God. So with that in mind, when we come to Joshua 2, verses 9 to 11, if you want to turn there, you're welcome to turn back. I'm, I'm going to read it. Here's what happens. After she hides the, <clears throat> the spies and she sends them away, she says to them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that terror is falling upon us. So she's saying, I know. And we don't know what conversation they had together. I imagine they had some conversation where they, they, they improved upon what she knew and gave her some, some words of knowledge there about, about God. But we're not told all of that. She goes, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that your terror has fallen upon us, that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard. So then she puts her people in there. We've heard. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites and were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, 
Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. And nothing has changed today. He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. This is why when we get to Hebrews chapter 11, 31, it says that she did not perish with those who did not believe. The rest of the Amorites there in Jericho, they knew, they heard, they did not believe, and they perished. Even if you go back to Hebrews, <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews speaks to that generation in the desert who perished because of unbelief. And so <clears throat> he makes that really clear. She did not continue, I believe, as a prostitute. For later on, she will marry a man named Salmon. She will become a part of Israel. He will be the great, she will be the great, I've got this right, the great, great, grandfather, grandmother of, <clears throat> of David, who would eventually, we will see, come the Lord Jesus Christ through his line. And so Rahab followed the God of Israel. And so I, I believe she would, have become, she would have come under the most basic commands that time there for them, the law of Moses. And even as a Gentile at that time, I think she would have placed herself under the authority of, <clears throat> of Israel and all of their laws. This is what faith does. We see repentance and we see great works. There's so many places in the Bible that speak of repentance and faith. If there is no faith, there is no repentance. If there is no turning from sin, then there is no faith. And repentance is not a, a one-time act. I share this often, but I think you know, Southern Baptists and Baptists in general, we just emphasize the, the end of the service with the raising of the hand or the coming down the aisle. And I'm, I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong because we should always give an invitation. So my invitation is even now. And you know that I've done that through 15 years in my preaching. When I preach the gospel of Christ, I say, turn unto Christ even now where you sit and come to Him. But we've We've, we've changed that invitation, and then what happens afterwards through the years is that people have said, that's my salvation time. Now, I do believe there is a time of salvation, but the thing is, I'm talking about people who have that, quote, experience and raise their hand, and then for 15 or 20 years, they never live any different than they did before. And then they give some type of answer to you about their baptism or about their church attendance or about their walking because I, I know because I did it and so we cannot fall into that error that error because if someone has faith then when you sin children when you disobey your parents and you do it over and over or husbands when you are very very angry or impatient with your wife or your children or the same with mothers and wives, when, when, when you act in certain ways, now just point these sins out because that, I'm thinking of myself and I think these are things we all identify with. But if you continue to do that and there is no remorse for your sin, a heart of repentance that says, God, I have sinned against you, then where is their faith? And so we see that, I think, very clearly with Rahab. James 2, that's, that's very interesting that James, brother of 
Jesus also writes. He says in, in 2, James 2, 24 to 26, he says, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith. Now, he's not saying that we are saved on the basis of our works. We know that. We've gone through that. But what he's saying is you'll know a Christian by their, you know that a Christian has faith by what comes out of their heart and what comes out of their life. In the same way was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So we must ask ourselves, before moving on to our last truth this morning, how are our works of repentance? Is that something that we just look back upon, or is that something that, that is a daily, weekly, monthly? And, and I can just say, husbands and wives and families, you are what you are in your house. We can all put it on here at church. And the thing is, even our kids know when our parents are putting it on at church. And our spouses know when we're putting it on at church. We all know. We all get that. So how are we doing in our homes as regards to just works of repentance in our hearts? That's truth number three. A lot more we could say there, but finally... Truth number four, Rahab's faith displays the sovereign grace of God in election. So my question is, here's my question. Why did God save Rahab, the prostitute, and her family, and then not the rest of the inhabitants of Jericho? Why? Two people are laying in a hospital, both of them are about to die, and both have, them, they have the exact same word preached to them in the same state, and then one of them be saved in the other one. That is a question. Why me? Why you? Now, we know salvation doesn't come to us without faith, unless you, unless I, unless we believe and we tend to put that into that's what we do and we understand that and we get that so I'm not negating that at all because we do Rahab believed we believe we are responsible to believe Rahab heard the word of God and believed God's promise to save and those who of us who hear the word of God preached we should hear the preacher say, believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. And we are responsible for that. That's another issue, okay? And that's also true. I cannot work out God's sovereignty, God's responsibility in the way that God can, but they are both true. I am just, this morning, picturing Rahab. We're going we're gonna to speak more to God's side for just a few minutes. Now, again, question is, why? Well, as we've seen, we know that the inhabitants of Jericho were deeply stirred by the reports that came their way, <clears throat> the reports of God's judgments. The Bible says there that they feared and their hearts melted. And I believe that every day the Israelites marched around and sat down, marched around, sat down, marched around, sat down was just another day they could have repented. But they, but they did not 
only Rahab and her family was saved. And this was according, if we read the entire Bible, this was according to the sovereign grace of God in election. So think about this with me. The spies, they had no idea that one of God's elect lived in that city. And even if they would have known, it was a big city, how could they have located her on this mission? But where were they directed to go? To the very house in which this lady lived. So again, we ask why? Well, from God's perspective, it's because she was chosen. Ephesians 1 says, before the foundations of the world. <clears throat> Let me just tell a story. We move to the New Testament. Another lady, very similar. Think of Jesus. He preached in the Jewish areas there around <clears throat> where he lived. Well, but <clears throat> from time to time, he would go out of the Jewish areas, particularly at the beginning of his ministry. He left the Jewish area with his disciples to up on the coastline there to preach in I don't know if I'm pronouncing them right, but two cities of Tyre and Sidon, which I've met a man from one of those cities before. But Jesus went to that Gentile area to preach, took his disciples. And there came a Canaanite, a Gentile woman to him. And her daughter was possessed by a demon. She was desperate. <laughs> so what does she do? She starts calling out, Jesus, have mercy upon me. And what do you think the disciples said to her? So that means said to him. They said, Jesus, she keeps calling out your name. We don't have time for her. She's a Gentile. Cast her away. Tell her to leave us alone. And so, of course, Jesus does not. She continues to ask for mercy. Have mercy upon me and heal my daughter. And then Jesus stops and he addresses her. And he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This is a picture of Israel. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Because there's a play on words there. Because to the Gentiles, I mean to the Jewish people, the Gentiles were considered dogs. And so, of course, Jesus doesn't mean this. But it's to make a point. And do you remember what she says? When Jesus says to her, is it, <clears throat> is it not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? She says, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. In other words, she knew that salvation came from the Jews. And it came, so give, just, just give me some crumbs and I will be saved. And so, <laughs> what does Jesus say? Oh, woman, great is your what? Faith. He instantly does exactly, points out what is going on with Rahab or with anybody that's ever saved. Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. So let me ask, why did Jesus go to this woman? Why did he go to the woman at the well? Well, he, go, he went to this woman because she too was a child of, of Abraham. Galatians 3 that says those who have faith are children of Abraham. There's the grafting in of the Gentiles into the, the Jewish church or the, those who have faith. 
In the book of Acts, do you remember the vision of Paul? He has a vision. And there's a man from Macedonia. And he says to, to Paul, he says, in this vision, come over here and help us. So Paul obeyed. He went. And who does he find first? He finds a lady named Lydia. She was meeting outside the city with some who, those who feared God to worship. Outside the city of Philippi. But the gospel had not yet come to, to her. And to the Philippians. And then Paul starts to preach after talking with her. And he says Acts, in Acts 16, 14. Here's what the Bible says concerning Lydia. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So who opened her heart? The Lord opened her heart. Why? <laughs> because she too was a daughter of Abraham. In Thessalonica, going to these Gentile areas, same thing happened. If you would, I would like for you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5, just so you can see this. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5. Paul says this, For we know, brothers, it doesn't... I don't think speak the best in English. For we know brothers who are also loved by God. So brothers, loved by God, we know that He has chosen you. So why would Paul all of a sudden bring up they are chosen? He says, how would we know that God has chosen you? <laughs> because our gospel came to you. And that's, that's interesting because faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. And even Rahab, back in that time, word came, which is it's very unusual with Rahab. Very little revelation, but there was revelation, there was word. But not only in word, so how do you know? It wasn't just the gospel came in word, which is doing now, here, okay? And when others go to the ends of the earth and they preach the word, the gospel, but also... In power and in Holy Spirit, or and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Conviction. People knew what they heard was right, and they believed. And so that's how we know someone is chosen. The word comes, the word is received, good works follow. With Rahab, we have the most unlikely of converts. She had no scriptures. She was separated from Israel, from the law of Moses. She was a Canaanite, an Amorite, a prostitute, and she lived among a people that had been devoted to destruction. Yet, let me phrase this negatively, there was no chance the Word of God would not come to her. In other words, there was not a chance that the Word would stay away from her as she was a child of Abraham chosen before the foundations of the world. By his own good pleasure, God saved Rahab, for she was a child of Abraham. I think of Romans 9. If you want to turn there with me, you're welcome. Paul speaks of God in this context choosing Jacob, if you know Romans 9, and not choosing his brother Esau. 
And then in verse, I'm going to read verses 14 to 25. So hold with me. We're almost done. I've got one big application coming, but hang with me here. He's talking about Jacob and Esau and why one is chosen, why one is not. And so he says, he brings up an, object, an objection. What shall we say then? Is there un- injustice on God's part? Have you ever thought God is unjust because he chooses one and leaves another? Yes. M- maybe not everybody have thought that, but many of us have for sure. So he's bringing this up. Is there injustice on God's part that he would choose Jacob and leave Esau? Paul says, by no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. So this gets into that question of what I'm saying, why? We'll leave that with the with. In the, in the great mysterious decrees of God and the mind of God. But the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I've raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, Paul continues, He has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And then he continues, you will say to me then, why does God still find fault? In other words, there's the whole robot deal. If all this is the deal, then we're all robots. Why why would, would God find fault? And that's the great difficulty in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Why would God someone hold someone responsible if the gospel doesn't come to them? Is nature enough? It is definitely enough to hold someone responsible. And that is that is a great mystery. But he says, why does he still find fault? For who can ever resist his will? But then he goes back. And this is for us this morning concerning the doctrine of election. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Who are you? (laughs) If we will question the justice of God. Who are you when we still say that God finds fault? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded? Say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has not the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath, to make his power, to make known his power, has endured with much patience? Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of His glory for vessels of mercy. These, these words are too big for me to understand the wise. Which He has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us, us today, whom He has called not from the Jews only but also from the Gentiles as indeed He says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call my beloved. So when we think about Rahab, by her own choice, she was a great sinner. 
but by divine grace, divine choice, she was predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. For God knows His own. God knows His own. I'm just quoting Scripture. There was nothing inside this woman that deserved any such treatment. And such is the case for all of us as well, if we are Christians. I think of the Apostle Paul who says, I am the chief of sinners. That means Paul saw himself as a greater sinner than Rahab. And so are we. So are we. The standard is the grace and mercy of God by His own good pleasure to save anyone who is ever saved. Therefore, what is our response? Our response is to give praise and honor and glory to God who sits on the throne. He is big. He is God. We are not God. We are creatures. And what a beautiful picture we have of Rahab. By faith, she was also saved, just like us. You know what? She didn't know all about the Messiah who would come. I don't think she knew anything at that point, being there in Amorite in Jericho with the walls getting ready to come down. But by faith, she believed that God would, feel, would, would, would do what he said, promised to save her if she looked unto him by faith. And she looked, and all the Old Testament saints look forward, and what do we do? We look back. And all of us are, if we are Christians, we are chosen, as Paul says, in Christ Jesus. And we are saved because of His person and His work. We are saved because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son as a sacrifice to die on the cross. And God accepts Him and His sacrifice. And He takes our sin upon Himself and we give Him our sins. He gives us His righteousness. We are people of faith because we are chosen before the foundations of the world. And we must trust the Word of God and His counsel and everything He says. And I've just barely got into that this morning. With that in mind, we've, had, we've seen four big truths. So there were lots more. But I just want to finish with just a, a pretty lengthy application. Just, just one. And that's concerning our works of faith. As Christians... We, we live by faith, and we do good works. But I want to point out that our works are mixed. They both contain good and bad, okay? And, and in a manner of speaking. Yet, it is not our works upon which we are counted righteousness. We are counted righteousness because of the works of Christ. And His righteousness, His good works which were only good. He was sinless. They were never bad. And our faith is in Christ, and we are saved by Christ. At the same time, we can say that we are, even though many of our works are mixed, good and bad, we can say we are saved by faith. And we say that because our faith is in Christ and is in Christ alone. <clears throat> and if our works, which are mixed like Rahab's, which I'm going to point out in just a second, no matter what, all of our works are still covered by the blood of Christ. Okay? And I'm hoping to explain this a little bit better. So when I think of my own works, for example, why would I say this? I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I believe I'm a person of faith. But then when I look at my own heart, 
and my own life. Think with me for just a moment. I'm almost done. When I think about my own life, I think, oh, John, you could have worked harder on that sermon prep. John, you could have, you could have worked harder to be more evangelistic this week. Or you, I could have worked harder and done more for Kristen and for my children this week. I could have prayed longer and harder for you guys as your pastor. Do you get where I'm going? So all of you can do the same thing. And so your works, sometimes, and sometimes you had a bad, a bad night, a bad morning, and you come to church and you're just here. And you're just walking through the motions, okay? So does that mean that you're not saved the day that you come to church and it's, you've had the worst fight of your life with your wife or your husband or something, whatever has happened? Does that mean you're all of a sudden lost? No. We are, our works are mixed. And not just our works. Our heart really is mixed because we're not putting everything we should into whatever we're supposed to do. And we might call them, you know, indifferent. And so when we think about Rahab, the, way I, the reason I say her works were mixed, <laughs> what did she do to the king? When the king came to her and said, you got the spies? She was a national Amorite, Jericonite woman. And she went against her nation. And she went against her king. And she said, I don't know where they're at. She lies. Yet, when we come to Hebrews 11 and we come to James 2, what do they say about her? Do they mention the lie? Well, they mention she hid the spies. But not a big deal is made about the lie. The big deal is she was a woman of faith. And, I, and so the New Testament doesn't explain it. Now, Abigail and I have been going round and round this week. Should she have lied? Should she have not lied? Have you ever gone and had this conversation before? Not just about that. There, there are a lot of things we can talk about, okay? And some, some of you, like, I'm sure Caleb Donner over here, you got that personality, you're ready to go. Okay, all of us are like that. Some of us are like, eh, just faith. Don't worry about the lie. <clears throat> I, I, I would probably fall, maybe she shouldn't have lied, and God would have done it anyway, but it doesn't matter. It really don't matter. There's a great debate. And during war, I mean, would you, if someone comes to your door, would you say, you know, the armies are coming, or you got your kids here, I want them out now. No, my kids are, they're back in the back. No, we're going to tell them no, the kids are here. They're not here. I, we get all of that, okay? And during times of war, what is war? Deceit. You deceive somebody with an aversion so that you can do something out of here. You're, you're just lying and deceiving, okay? But that's not the point of this. Rahab's faith was mixed with good and bad, and so are all of ours. Faith is what is important. Look back at Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. This is, sets up the whole chapter 11, which, by the way, only one more sermon, I believe, in Romans 11 before we move on. But Romans 11, 1 to 3. Here's, here's Rahab. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. She believed God would save her. She had an assurance. The conviction of things not seen. She believed God would do what he said. For by it the people of old received their commendation. She receives her commendation. Because God says, I approve of her faith. Okay? We see that in Hebrews 11. We see it in James 2. By faith, we understand the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. This is exactly what we see with Rahab. 
She was assured, convinced that God would judge the Amorites, including herself. She was assured, convinced that God would... That, that He existed and that He rewards those who seek Him. And then we see her works. Because James says she was a woman of faith because of her works. Yet, it wasn't the works themselves that saved her. It was faith. Faith, we've got to go further there. We are saved by faith alone, not by works Saved by faith, faith in the promise of God to save. And faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And behind it all is the sovereign pleasure of God to save this woman and commend her faith. And I will end with Romans eleven thirty three, and following. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, through him, to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time this morning. Um, Father, thank you for your word and the story of Rahab and the picture she gives us, though I've left out many. Father, we see that you saved this woman. And so you will save anyone who comes to you by faith. Father, we might say that this is us. And yes, but we know that for by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. And we believe that even faith is a gift. Same as repentance is a gift. They go together. So, Father, we, we stand or fall at your mercy. But we know that if we have faith, it is because of your work in Christ. And sending him for God so loved the world. That He gave His only Son. And we know that the ground of our faith is, is the true and living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, His person and His work. Father, as much here, I pray that today, that each one of us who heard, if we're not a Christian, we don't have faith, Father, that faith would come. You give eyes, that's why Jesus says, give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, may You give them. Christians, I pray that we would get one thing from this sermon, or two things maybe, or just one little thing that we might this week understand doctrine better, or we might live better. Um, and I just pray that you would take the sermon and use it as you see fit. So many things we're thankful for. Thank you particularly for bringing Gil back to us from his trip. And uh, Father, just so many other things. But we give you the day, and we pray that you would just take the day and use it as you see fit until you bring us back together. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row Inn YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. 
Thank you for listening, and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.